0: think uh mostly we wanted to like chat about some of the lessons learned during covid and Mm. and uh i don't know a variety show as you had said just see where it goes but um i don't know in general like i think we've still got a lot to to plan out as far as as teaming up with the the peak performance Mm -hmm. stuff and And obviously a podcast is a good way to share, you know, nuggets from that or expand upon different things and, and, um, have fun with it that way, you know, Mm -hmm. showcase personality in a different way at whatever, whatever frequency works for our schedules and kind of just keep it, keep it chill that way. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's good to have topics to go over or whatever, and there's a lot that you study and there's a lot that I study that we can, what's the, like, brain meld on or whatever. Amalgamate? Yeah, amalgamate. <laughs> we could say amalgamate. Um,
1: so we could just mention, like, what's going on? Like, what do you have, what kind of irons do you have in the fire right now? Yeah. To, do you want to start with the COVID shit though? Yeah, like to keep it conversational. It's, it,
0: yeah, it's something that I haven't really, I, I've, I haven't done like a full reflection. Is that pickle juice? No, but oh, I okay. would
1: love pickle juice right now. <laughs> oh, it does look like it though. Eh? Oh yeah, it totally does. I've been putting more limes in my. Right. Actually, uh, this is something we could talk about because this is yeah a, this is something I learned from COVID.
0: Yeah. Adding limes to the to the water. Mm. It's like a goddamn margarita. (laughs) (laughs) You prefer that over, um, over lemons? I use both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was someone on, um, there was someone on Instagram I'm following. They're like a curling coach. I think it's Hmm. called empowered, empowered performance or something. Yeah. It's a woman from the States that's a curling coach, which I know nothing about. I've curled like once. Okay. Um, one more than me. Yeah, it's, I think it's once more than a lot of people. Like, I'm not in, like, Bondsfield or whatever it's called. Bondsfield, that's it, a little tournament. But she, I don't know, she just put a post up about, like, why not, you know, spruce your morning up with, uh, like, a margarita without the liquor. And I'm like, that's a great idea. I'm basically doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. So, a bit more salt. I still do the apple cider vinegar and then a couple added squeezes of the, the old lime slice. Cool. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. I think... uh I maybe need to add a little more, a little more excitement to mine. Like I, I usually just do the, you know, close to like 800 mils to a a liter before activity Mm -hmm. is the goal. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah. It also helps to balance out the coffee in the morning. So you're not just dehydrating yourself and starting the day in a negative. Yeah. So, Yeah yeah that's that's a good point especially before training right like sometimes it's better not to have that coffee before before the morning workout and it, it'll get you fired up anyway you know to start moving your body sometimes depends on how heavy you got to go sometimes mm-hmm. you need that that extra boost but it's not always not always necessary especially when it's a, a run at four in the morning <laughs> oh frig let's talk about that what the hell was that all about? it uh, it was an interesting <laughs> challenge, too. I was like, well, I mean, Alex mentioned it. She said, You're welcome to come to a 4AM run. And I don't really like turning down challenges. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Kathy <laughs> Mathos, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first time, the first time kind of did suck. I mean, I haven't, I hadn't run, other than the, let's say one kilometer that my coach makes me run for at, at, when we go train strongman in Kingston. Mm-hmm. That's the extent of my running in the past decade, since since before starting strongman, really. Um, so
1: single K warm ups.
0: Yeah, up uh, roughly like one K, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, a big difference in, in going straight to a 5k with, with zero drop shoes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're like the hiking profile too, the, the high tops or the mid high. <laughs>
0: they are. Yeah. They're more of the high top ones too.
1: Actually, that's really funny because, uh, well, I remember talking to you the day after that and I was like, you ran in those, right? And also a fan of minimalist shoes. But I was recently, I've been like a hawk on the zero website. Uh-huh. I, I ordered a pair of sandals that of Taking a few weeks. Yeah. I was looking at other shoes, but one, one, uh, I was looking at the individual videos they put up, like the analysis of the shoe, like this is what this shoe is best for. And, uh, one of the owners, Steven was like, this shoe is optimal for this, 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 but he's like, you know, we often find that people wear, you know, any of our shoes to do any of the things. And it's like, you know, that's cool too, but, uh, (laughs) it's not the main function. (laughs) Like people wearing like the casual shoes to go for like, like ultra endurance hikes and shit. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, they, they work pretty well, but we have a better shoe for
0: that. Fair enough. But, um, I do like the, I, I actually noticed that one of the treads fell off the bottom. Oh shit. Yeah. I don't know if from running, maybe cause it's not like they're pretty thick treads on those shoes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, Oh man, it's kind of too bad. Not cause I like the traction. I think that those shoes Will be, I do use them for strongman events, but they would be really good for like a tire flip right in grass or something if you don't want to put cleats on, or even a tire flip on on pavement because they've got those those deep treads on the Mm -hmm. bottom, and um, they're they're kind of like the right they're nice and wide too. Like I don't my feet don't fit well in a lot of types of shoes, Um, but yeah. Anyway, I mean after that initial. Discomfort. The second, the second run at 4 a.m. was actually it was a six and a bit, and it wasn't as bad.
1: That was with all Allie Thompson. Yeah, yeah, that's her normal stomping <laughs> ground time anyway. 4 a.m. She's had four coffees and already journaled <laughs> and just for a second workout. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I think she'd wake up Jocko Willing, to be honest. Well, that's
0: what I said the yeah. second time around. I said Jocko's not even out of bed. <laughs> either is a rock yeah yeah <laughs> no we're we're running a 6k before Jocko's even out of bed yeah that's that's what got me fired up to do it
1: yeah seriously yeah it'd be really funny to do a uh kind of copy his uh style um video in the morning yeah the black and white like he's the first one up and just post right before him
0: yeah <laughs> post right before yeah
1: him. Morning, he's, Jocko.
0: he's gonna show his um his wristwatch at 4 30 usually is when he takes the the picture yeah. you you get him at 3 30 or <laughs> yeah post it. It up. <laughs> yeah i wonder what he'd do in that case he'd probably get up earlier just yeah just because but yeah he might he also stays up pretty late right does he yeah because he only gets he goes to bed at like 11 o'clock or something sometimes midnight
1: and wakes right? up at 4 30 yep so yeah we were talking about that we were optimization with sleep yeah and you were saying i think i was talking about um i can't remember where how it came up it just seems like it's a popular topic talking about sleep and how much people need and i think we both agreed we're we were in the in the frame of mind that we both need quite a bit of sleep to operate even close to optimally so that's like eight to nine hours yeah right i think you said eight yeah usually
0: Uh, usually like in bedtime of eight for me is It's the sweet spot. Yeah. But I find when I'm ramping up for a competition, it's more like eight and a half. Hmm. And I wonder more so I'm noticing this kind of like, this ties into some of like the lessons from COVID too Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, I've lost, I lost quite a bit of weight during COVID. Um, training was less than ideal, but like ramping back up, it's kind of cool, but I've also just been trying to do different things. You know, I started cycling, and uh that was a lot of fun for me but when you do like I lose a lot of weight when I do a two and a half hour bike ride Mm -hmm. just just because right and and then geez when I run even like this morning just to finish off I was kind of I wasn't doing a super intense workout or anything so like I'm gonna go for a bit of a run to finish off like up around um just around like Hemlock up, you know, up, yeah. up Fairburn to Hemlock and back down the, the trail kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like a one and a half K. Yeah. And the sweat pouring off of me for the next hour and a half was just insane. Yeah. I just feel like a furnace from running. Um. A- anyway, so losing the weight, my sleep quality has improved a whole lot, hmm. you know, because I have sleep apnea. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious if it's like a lot of a lot of like the the guys that whether they're in Highland Games or Strongman and they're talking about things like this, they uh, they notice when they lose weight, like their sleep's improving and they're snoring less. And um, sometimes like they're they're the person that, you know, they probably could use a CPAP, but they never actually got one Mm -hmm. when they're at their competing weight of 300 pounds. But when they come down a bit their sleep's much better again like they don't necessarily need it and i still like to use it because if you're getting good sleep do what works right yeah um but i'm curious to see to what extent like do i really need it at this point too yeah
1: that seems like it will be a sweet spot knowing that you could recover better from sleep versus being lighter yeah and like where like where the sweet spot is for competition totally and then also where, where you just want to live in. Yep. Like, cause that might be a separate thing.
0: No, it's a, it's a great point. Cause, uh, there's a big difference in, in being able to move around or the, the freedom to, to bike or run at like 275 versus 300 pounds. And I was thinking about my trip down to like Northern California a couple years years ago and i was like 305 because i was two weeks out from one of the competitions might have been it was probably the qualifier wasn't it i think it, well this it was in it was probably a qualifier because that was the end of april and the comp the qualifier would have been like the start of may hmm. yeah um so man like some of the hiking there is pretty demanding that we went on and i was I was gassed. Like, (laughs) yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, what's the altitude? Um, you remember? I don't really know. I didn't worry so much about. I I don't think the altitude was too bad. Not in um, no, because you're right by the ocean for the most of it, right? So it's gonna be low. Okay. Yeah, and even Yosemite, you're not traveling that far that you're going way up. Mm -hmm. So that more so just because you're going into like. Several hundred feet down into the basins and stuff. Right. Mm. And then climbing back out And it's there's some intense, you know, trails to climb back up. hmm So it was interesting like it, Those are the kinds of adventures. I like to go on mm-hmm. a lot. So being more fit to do it not that like Or even another example the first day I got there my cousin took me up Hawk Hill which is the one that looks out on the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay. And the back side of it, which most people kind of go up the front side and it's a little more gradual. The back side is like a vertical staircase. It's really intense. And I had to pause three or four times to get up it. Uh, I was also, I had pants on and it was super hot. (laughs) That didn't help. I was sweating so bad from it. But yeah. um, No, it's fun to like my I think we've even reflected on this in past podcasts on the whiteboard project but my strength and strongman has always been the ability to like endure more right like endurance wise Mm. more so than just sheer strength right and so a lot of ways you've got to work on doubling down on your strengths and strongman and just making sure you're not the weakest one at the things that you're not great at Mm -hmm. and i compete against a lot of guys in in the you know that are the natural athletes are 230 ish pounds some of them are 215 yeah it's pretty late eh? and they're (laughs) super strong so that kind of obviously there's going to be a lot of good genetics at play but Mm -hmm. how much extra like fat do you need on your body right yeah um it can sometimes help for momentum and stuff with with like big truck pulls or whatever but um leverage also does too if you're taller you're kind of still going to have an advantage with that
1: so maybe this is a question not related to covid when does Mm -hmm. like when does a higher fat percentage like where does that come into actually being an advantage in strongman like why is it like is it helpful to be 20 percent body fat or 15 like why is that better yeah. to be heavier
0: yeah um like
1: what does how is fat an advantage
0: you know i that's what i've been saying like that's why i'm questioning it as much because that's something that in the world of power you know it's it's often um pushed as you've got like extra cushion for your joints and stuff yeah. But yeah, where's the threshold on that? Like, you don't have to be bodybuilding 3% body fat. uh, But like, do you really need 20% to have the cushion around your joints? Um, And like other examples, you know, Dane Wallace. Yeah, your friend. Yeah. the, The 175 pound weight class has always been shredded. And I mean, a lot of those guys are because... You've got to have, like, every bit of meat on the bone yeah. to be 175-pound strong man. But, um, yeah, or or even, like, half Thor Bjornson's never been fat, right? He's had a six-pack at, like, 420 pounds. Has he? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I, I bet with a guy like that, you wouldn't be able to tell he has a six-pack because his stomach and his, like, fucking rib cage <laughs> is so expanded. Yeah. And from so much intra pressure that i mm. i bet it wouldn't even look like that because it looks like he has a bit of a gut. it's probably just a power gut.
0: yeah power there, there are definitely like photos or whatever where you can see that like he's pretty defined yeah um it may be more around like the 400 range than the 420 yeah it's sort of like the, the cut off there but he's still he doesn't look really out of shape yeah kind of thing and actually and most of the most of the top strongmen these days don't as much. Yeah.
1: Hmm. So what, okay. So you're noticing from, from COVID cause you've been able to explore more and just cause your, your, uh, training protocol has, has changed a lot from hmm. mul- a multitude of reasons. You're noticing that being a little bit lighter has improved sleep Yep. and improved how you feel. Yep. What else have you noticed? What's another takeaway from from COVID? the last yeah, four and a half, five months?
0: The, um, I would say the biggest lesson that I took away, and this is one that I do reflect on a lot is around, uh, finding more of that balance in your schedule in order to perform your best. So in the sense that, you know, basically up till COVID hit, that was the first year of Flow Spa and I'd kind of had my mentality wrapped around like i was gonna work to the bone Mm. for this whole year and just kind of like sacrifice that year you know to make sure that things get up and rolling um but what i realized when things slowed down with covid was that i was actually getting a lot more done a lot more quality work done you know because when you're constantly pushing yourself sort of one track without taking pauses even throughout the day. Um, have you listened to any of like the Huberman podcasts lately? No, only really the uh, snippets on Instagram. Okay. He, he talks about, he actually ties it in similarly. Like I, uh, in a lot of ideas, there was a book that I read a couple months ago. That's really good called the power of full engagement. Never heard of it. I don't know if a lot of people have, but it's awesome. And they uh, they basically talk about taking more breaks and how it's going to lead to much higher performance. And you're also going to be more fully engaged, right? Because you're not just, for example, staring at the computer screen for eight hours straight. You're scheduling in breaks so that you can actually like let... Cause a lot of fatigue actually comes from just eye fatigue. Right. Right. Like a lot of what we perceive as being out, like running out of energy or fatigue just cause it comes from our eyes constantly staring at one thing. Whereas if we either close our eyes for a few minutes, like even every hour or every 90 minutes, cause um, the interesting thing about the powerful engagement that they talked about was our energy cycles through during the day, similar to the REM cycles of 90 minute segments. So we do dip off in our energy levels if we push too far past that 90 minutes. And that's where you see people, you know, getting the next coffee or eating the sugary snack to keep themselves going. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just allow yourself to like take a break and it's got to work into your schedule or what you do, like sometimes it's easier for the executives or whoever that, can schedule their appointments or their meetings around things. If you're somebody that works at a desk, it can be a little bit more challenging if you're not the, the leader of the group, right? Because mm-hmm. you, unfortunately, even things like there, there are accounting businesses that, um, you have to record like every five minutes what you're doing. Really? Or, or like, yeah, like for, or lawyers do the same thing. Like every 15 10 to 15 minutes because it's all billable stuff like you've got to be on the clock that intensely and it's unfortunate right because it leads to people not being as creative or as engaged as they could be if you've always got like this this ticker timer that's going yeah um but taking the pauses so whether it's every hour or every 90 minutes to you know we're refill your water if you're hydrating well as you should be throughout mm-hmm. the day um getting up to move go to the bathroom especially if like you're sitting make sure you're doing standing um maybe doing like a some air squats push-ups
1: yeah just something. some movement yeah or like it's the so Tony really Robbins hard.
0: jump up and down get your energy back into it um it, it, that's something that I've learned is super powerful so I usually in that time frame now we'll try to like whether it's uh whether it's not like a full meditation but just focus on the breathing right deep breathing two minutes of of like eight breaths over two minutes you know nice and slow um eyes closed or getting back to what Huberman's talking about, he calls it like, I think the wide peripheral gaze mm-hmm. where you just let your focus soften mm-hmm. onto everything because yeah. then you can do it without anybody even noticing. Right. He, he kind of likes to sneak in the strategies, whether it's um like, he calls it the proper sigh, which is two inhales and then a longer exhale. So like a, a full inhale, sip more air. And then like, fully let it out i like to do through through the nose i think he um he's kind of a fan of the exhale being out through the mouth but whatever feels comfortable hmm. that's something that you can hide it's not like you have to go and sit in the corner and meditate for five minutes yeah i do like to get like one to two minutes of, of the breathing though it's a little more intentional and yeah. allows you a bit more of a reset but even the one the one proper side is enough according to Huberman and then the wide peripheral gaze, you don't have to like close your eyes, you know, get in Lotus position. <laughs> You're just letting yeah. your gaze soften so that it's not so intensely focused on, on something for a few minutes. And ideally with that also, I find turn away from the blue lights yeah, or gaze out into proper sunlight yeah. is another good idea because that's going to also re-energize you, um, It's not really magic. It's like part of our nature that the sun is what we're really drawn to using to alert us. And artificial light doesn't do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's like five
1: points I have to these. (laughs) What you're saying. I was getting super fired up here. Um, So I'm going to see if I can get these in here. So you talked about um, taking breaks at the 90 minute mark approximately. And I immediately thought of uh, deep work. Mm-hmm. Cal Newport who you, you got me onto that book. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I guess the premise in that book is or his, his principle is, you'll get more like bleed as you change your tasks more. Um, so I was thinking about that and I was thinking, okay, so I think providing you're doing the same task, taking breaks and then going back to that task may be okay. Um, I don't know at what point cause that's sort of contradictory. And then the second point I was thinking of the second school of thought was Ty Lopez was talking about, um, depending on the task. So if it's like a task oriented thing, or if it's a creative thing, yeah. I guess, which we would call flow, um, or the desire to get into flow. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's task oriented, um, have it in a small chunk and just try to get what you can done. And then break. So this is more similar to the 90-minute break. Whereas if you're in a creative element, keep it going. Like, yeah. don't cut it off. Yeah. So I think it, it depends is what I'm what I'm kind of um, integrating from all these schools of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, which is super interesting because I feel like these are all topics we want to talk about at, at the workshop.
0: Yeah. It's actually it's a blog post that was within the last month on the flow academy too was on um basically should we should we do these breaks as people say that we ought to or stay in flow right and my the exact same thing my my um my summary of it essentially is if you are in you know a proper deep work state or flow and you're really crushing it it's it's pretty rare to get there you know even world-class athletes only spend about 10 to 15 percent of the time in flow so cherish that time and use it for your benefit Mm -hmm. and uh and don't worry about those those breaks if you're really crushing it and otherwise that's where you can kind of catch back up the rest of the day yeah if you're doing if it's like the slump in the afternoon you know um there's this book. I haven't read the book, but most of it's sort of, I think, inherently known in a lot of us. It's called When. I think it's a Dan Pink book. It's it's about when we should be doing certain tasks based on the research of what suggests things. And, you know, everybody's kind of different. So that's also why it's not, like, that urgent for me to read it.
1: Mm-hmm. I saw about The Power of When book. Yeah. how it's similar, and then I explained what that was all about. Is that... Um, Michael Bruce.
0: Oh, you have you read it? Yeah. Is it, Do you like it?
1: Um, I mean, the concept is simple. It's yeah. like, take the qu- questionnaire, figure out your chronotype, yeah. and then put it into action. And I know for Kathy, for instance, who's yes. one person that I was like, when I was super pumped on that book, she went through it and she noticed a big difference from it, but she mm-hmm. doesn't practice that normally.
0: Oh, okay. So...
1: I don't know. I don't know if you use it as a reference point or if you, I, it, it, I guess it, it really just depends. It's another tool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've got the book on Kindle and I've never read it. I've had it for several years, but I was going to get into it. Um, <clears throat> he was on Finding Mastery mm-hmm. a little while ago, and he's kind of opposed to some of the things that Matt Walker talks about. Oh, um,
1: interesting. A couple he, sleep friggin.
0: Yeah. It's... it's it's there's a few there's a it's so funny um that's
1: cool actually
0: i i think it's uh so matthew walker seems pretty down to earth but dr bruce is you know quote unquote he calls himself the sleep doctor right you know he's got a pretty big ego about it so i think that's where um listening to these two slightly opposing views on several of the podcasts that they've both been on mm. is interesting because Matt Walker is very soft-spoken and this Dr. Bruce is, uh, or Braves or whatever. With a dead or what? Yeah. Well, he's like arrogant and he's like, yeah. I know I'm arrogant and it's okay because I'm the best in the world. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. It's too bad. It's, it's, um, ah, oh, man.
1: Okay, here's a killer line. I was reading a book. um, What the hell is it called? Running? um, Not. I think it is Born to Run. Um,
0: I think I've got that. Dan lent it to me. I've got it on my shelf.
1: I think, oh, I thought he lent it to me. Maybe it had two copies or maybe I bought it. Anyway, (laughs) I think that Dan was a reason I got that. I read the whole thing. It was great. It's about this guy that runs across America and he's 57. okay. Right. So that's the premise. And there's one line in that, and and it's taken from an experience. This is relevant. So there's one line in that where he's like pulling an experience he had with like some Russian expeditioners or something.
0: Yeah.
1: And I mentioned this to you before, but the one of the Russian friends of his says in the middle of this expedition, I can't remember where it is. He goes, just because your hands are cold doesn't mean you have to say they are. Mm -hmm. So I'm like this dickhead. Who I, I mean I bought his book too, but just because you're the best doesn't mean you have to say you're the best, and that really will only hurt you. I feel like, like if people think you're the best, then that's enough.
0: Yeah, it it shuts a lot of people off to what you have to say. Totally, because a lot of people don't like that kind arrogance. of arrogance. Arrogance.
1: Yeah, let the uh, let the information talk for it, so speak for itself. Like
0: it, it took me. I thought that um, Huberman was arrogant for a very long time, hmm. and I didn't like him because of that. It took a long time for me to warm up to him Mm. until I kind of started to clue in that I think he's just, um, like, I I think he's super empathetic, actually. You know, he's been able to meld with different crowds throughout his life. Like, he was in the punk rocker groups Mm. as a kid growing up, and now he's in the world of science that he's fallen in love with. And I think he's just um, maybe, like, he's going through, like, some of the um, the coldness of his his childhood, and so kind of like shelter or whatever, but it's also just like warming up his personality to speak as a scientist, which can be challenging. Right. Um, so yeah, it took me a while to like get on the Heberman Huberman bandwagon.
1: Hmm. I think it didn't take me long because I'm a big fan of Brian McKenzie, and I know that they're uh, affiliated. I think they had a similar kind of upbringing, and yeah, they're just affiliated in the work they do. And I think together they, together they were two uh, people that worked together on the state app, which I actually recommend to a lot of clients. And I've been using it for like a year and a half, and it's worked really, really well. Um, the premise behind this, let's get into this. This is a yeah. big, this is a big takeaway that uh, that I've noticed through COVID. So CO two tolerance is is the main component of or or the main premise behind the state breathing app and uh, co2 tolerance is a simple test where you measure your maximum exhale time and it's correlated with a lot of things i think they're realizing you know more and more as there's more research like how affiliated it is with um this is a big one but emotional reactivity Mm. and emotional regulation because um parts of um What is it exactly? I can't remember the science. There's been a lot of, um, recent articles on it that I've read. Um, but basically the takeaway was that this CO2 tolerance, even in myself has, it's been really good at times. It's been a real, it's been considered like a, an advanced or elite measurement. Right. And then Mm -hmm. at times it's actually been considered like needs improvement. Oh. Um, and that's totally affiliated with everything in life, but you know, stress and how recovered you are or your frame of mind, like all of these things. So, um, thinking about, yeah, thinking about your, your ability to be optimal as like a everyday is a little different and are really fine. Like the things that help you get into the optimal, um, we'll call it flow state mm-hmm. or, or just optimizing, um, will be a little different for everyone and also will be different day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like a one size fits all. And like, once you get into routine, you're good. Like it's ever evolving. And I can speak for myself as as I have a son now, that that means it's like even more ever evolving. Yeah. And there's even more to take you, um, not to make this a, a negative thing, but it's just another huge priority and responsibility. So it, it in in some ways it is, something that can take you away from the ways you know before to be or to get into an optimal thinking zone or a performance zone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, and actually the the CO2 tolerance, I think partially, you know, with Brian McKenzie's views on that is what led him away from Wim Hof in a lot of ways. Is it not because Wim Hof is way more just about sort of that super oxygenation which um and then of course there's kind of like it's it's like well if you're healthy you're at ninety eight 98 o2 sat anyway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get to 99 percent is it really that big of a difference or um, do you
1: feel any, any different or
0: and there is there is that feeling of something different but um yeah i think that's where you know brian kind of they had that falling, a bit of a falling out. Mm-hmm. He kind of took on his own. And it's interesting too. Feuds in, in science <laughs> and in the world of wellness, it's it's funny, right? Yeah. Um, the other good point there is totally with like the day-to-day differences, um, I've started to, to recognize it more as, th- there's more to it than just, just flow but it is part of the flow cycle where we have this recovery phase we because flow you know is essentially with this optimal state of consciousness we're flooded with this neurochemical cascade of all the best stuff we can possibly have in our brain right that you get the norepinephrine which is you know what's being spiked by somebody that's on speed Mm -hmm. dopamine is like from a lot of different drugs but mm. like alcohol yeah, drugs or um and then like serotonin like mdma like all of those things and endorphins um similar to like the cannabinoids right mm. some of the things that are released are cannabinoids and and then anandamide which is like this kind of unique one that gives you this this bliss state that kind of comes with like deep meditation as well and leads to these spikes of insight so you're getting all of these all at once, mm. in in like a really big dose. If you're deep, especially in what I like to, or what a lot of people refer to as your primary flow activities, so the ones that really get you deep in there, they tend to stack a lot of the different triggers for flow, and you get really into it, right? Um, but then you're depleted, right? Like you've probably, well, even how you would have felt after the the run the um in the shipping container but after some of the strongman competitions the next day is some of the lowest feelings i've talked to dan about this too because you know he's competed at a higher level than us in a lot of different ways and you don't come out of competition mode feeling your best the next day you kind of you feel um there's there's a there's a, you feel like dying in a lot of ways, right? <laughs> um, on a much lower level than something synthetic. Right. You know, if, if somebody's coming out of a, a big like hangover, I, the other thing I refer to as the flow hangover mm. a lot because of that, you know? Um, so you can't, if you, you could for a limited period of time, push that state constantly but eventually you are going to crash big time. If you do it that way, that's why there has to be this flow cycle. That's why there has to be this cycle in general. Um, it's why a lot of religions practice the Sabbath or that day of rest Mm -hmm. in the modern world. We ought to be practicing a digital Sabbath of some sort and turning those screens off to, um, it's popular, actually, in Silicon Valley. They do, I was just watching a, a video, and the guy, he didn't explain things perfectly because he didn't really understand dopamine that well, but it's okay. Like, he was still, <laughs> he's still getting the word out. On, still a good person. Yeah, he was talking about doing the dopamine detox, which is something that is kind of trendy in Silicon Valley these days. I read an article maybe a year or so ago about it. Um, where they'll just like cut out all pleasures from their life to try to reset, kind of like Seneca. I mm-hmm. think we maybe talked about this. We we have talked about this in some form or another in the past. But you know, Seneca would he, he in one of the um, yeah letters from letters a Stoic. from a Stoic. It's yeah. like set aside a certain amount of time where you will be satisfied with the most base of like needs. minimum dose, like he'd eat beans and rice yeah, and sleep on the floor in rags um, just to reset things.
1: I know you referenced it in 21 mindset challenges that you wrote. Cause you talked about right. the college diet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the ramen noodle diet. Or yeah.
1: Something. or Yeah. Right. And it's just like, yeah, like common food. But if you're used to eating like, like we're spending, you know, this whole conversation is really, but like what we learned maybe to, to optimize or what we learned that took us out of an optimized whatever. Um, and it's, and it's like in this, um, principle, it's like intentionally Mm -hmm. getting yourself into some type of deficit and then trying to, you know, perform the same.
0: Yeah. Or, well, trying to perform the same, um, but also being okay that you're not performing at your peak level all the time.
1: Accepting that there's a bit of a cycle and there's a bit of a, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's important. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the exact same as, um, like the whole intention of a training cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not to be at your best day one. Yeah. It's to be at your best competition day, whatever, eight weeks later. Yeah. And so you go through the micro and macro cycles of training yeah. to get to that state eventually, but you've got to go through we don't really talk about deloads or anymore or deconditioning, but we talk about like active recovery, right? Right. Yeah. it's, Where it's, it's not a term, really. Yeah.
1: Man, there's a there's a whole concept here, I feel like, and I don't know how popular it is or how many people are thinking about this, or if it's even a new thought, but There's, um, I know like you specifically talk a lot about, you know, optimal mindset Hmm. and like, and, and flow and, and peak performance. Those are some of the kind of the buzzwords. Right. And in a lot of ways, like for me training people, like we're trying to get them to their peak performance, like make them feel the best, perform the best, have the best results, whatever. But there's, there's a lot to be said about like, you know, accepting that, you know, you aren't always going to be at your best, which is what you just said. And I've had this conversation with clients recently where it's like, you're not, you're not you're not always going to be at your best in everything. Like that, that's unrealistic to always be the strongest, fastest, most explosive, most intentional, most conditioned you ever have been. Like that's, that's completely unrealistic and it's actually probably a, a bit of a, a dangerous mindset to have to think that you're always going to be optimal. So what you're saying about this like practicing Sabbath or practicing like the dopamine um, reset, I forget what you called it, um, or like actually being intentional about active recovery days, like this is like a very, very important component of this whole process.
0: Yeah,
1: And then accepting that like, things are lower so that they can be higher or, you know, we're, um, I reference it in this way recently, and I don't think, um, this is like an enlightened thought or any, in any way, but I thought of for folks that maybe have a hard time, you know, not being, not showing that they're being optimal. So, you know, like not lifting their max weight all the time, for instance, it's like, instead of being like, Instead of performing at max intensity, perform at your max intentionality. So be as intentional as you can be. So if it is an active recovery day, which we all likely should have if we're training hard for something, it's like be, be really intentional about um, doing that breath work or, or, or resting or be really intentional about how your body feels when you're doing the lacrosse ball work or myofascial release or when you're on those recovery days. Be really intentional about how that water feels as you're drinking it or if you're having enough water. Like all of those things are even more important than the, than the day of competition or whatever that is.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been speculating a lot on that.
0: I like that a lot. Be max intentional. That's great.
1: Yeah. Sort of ties it in well.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So
0: that's, that's really, uh important to keep in mind what else uh any other lessons come to mind to you from covid and oh here's
1: a little kind of a dark one (laughs) um i won't say who but um recently someone said that um said like you're not enlightened
0: to you yeah okay
1: um but here's here's the lesson in this um most of us aren't yeah right (laughs) most of us aren't but um it's it's just interesting that certain people like myself will post, and this is really specifically social media, because if people hire me as a coach, you know what you're getting into. They're there to coach you. But like a lot of what I'll post about on social media is like from a teaching perspective. Yep. So it's like, what qualifies you to do that?
0: To make the negative statement?
1: No, to make the, the positive. Like, here's something I've learned. Oh. Try this. It's more like that. It's like, when, when do you decide when, when you're going to be the teacher versus the student Mm. or the, or the ally, right? The kind of Mm -hmm. equal playing field. I know there's like, there's another Ty Lopez principle that's like, spend 33% of your time doing each of those. So spend 33% of your time learning or around mentors, 33% of your time around friends or allies, and then 33% of your time coaching or teaching in whatever in whatever way you can because yeah. we can all teach someone something yeah or, or volunteering or something like that so I think that that's a balance that I'm realizing maybe I haven't been thinking about that lately
0: that it, it's a cool um, I, I like that 33 percent rule for sure um, as far as like when when should you or when you when can you start to teach or share? I think that whenever the calling is right is when you should. Now, something that I came across recently, um, which I may have heard of something similar in the past, but this time it kind of resonated a bit more, you know, there's, there's different, um, for one thing, like to keep in mind, I think a lot of people, because they want to make that, I, I used the, uh, like the blue ass water analogy, on Instagram, you know, because everybody <laughs> wants to show, like, their vacations right. in Greece. Right. Like, the perfect stuff. Yeah. And um, as as somebody that is trying to be a teacher or a coach or a mentor, um, especially if you're struggling with, like, imposter syndrome around it, you're going to be inclined to want to make those blue-ass water posts where everything is all sunshine and rainbows and perfect. Mm-hmm. But people resonate most with, um, the imperfect hero, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like letting the light shine through those cracks. Yeah. Kind and, of the
1: Dante's journey. And, eh?
0: and like the, the vulnerability is really a key aspect. Um, but also thinking, I think when you're deciding upon sharing stuff, uh, like there's different sort of archetypes of individuals and the one that resonates a lot with me is the adventurer that's along the journey with you because mm-hmm. there's also like sort of like the wizard who is the the one enlightened Andrew Huberman the you know right. the person that's the scientist that's telling you how it is because it is Rhonda Patrick right um and then there's like There's some other ones too. And I can't recall because those are the ones that resonated most with me. Mm. But, you know, you can think about it as, as that, or even not like the adventurer, but somebody that's maybe like been through it, but is still in the struggle phase or something and kind of approaching it from that angle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's stuff that, it's stuff from... Russell Brunson's book.com secrets yeah. is, is where he, he talked about these different flawed characters. I think he called them or something. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'll maybe try to write in the show notes or something, what the different ones are. If, if I mm-hmm. remember to do that, but I know that there, I liked the one that's like the adventurer alongside, you know, part of like the still on the hero's journey with you and not so much the, the mentor or the wizard that yeah. comes in and just throws in the advice. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's super
1: relevant. Yeah. That would be interesting to, to read that. I've, uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. it
0: it's good. It's, um uh, it's very specific around building funnels. Mm-hmm. Um, for beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> for like your website traffic and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, it's or just like marketing yourself and and sharing your stuff too so it was good yeah i um he was another person who you see like just like with Ty lopez you see his ads all the time and they kind of you have to if you want to be somebody on that level you've got to play the game to some extent with your ads to get attention because otherwise people are just gonna keep on scrolling by um but then i learned that he was a uh, like champion like ncaa wrestler and so we we kind of developed a little more of something like mindedness right because oh i if if somebody's an athlete i'm going to listen up a bit more because i have experienced similar challenges and i know how much it takes for an athlete to get to being a, a state champion wrestler mm-hmm. and so he must have something deeper there that you can cool. at least pick out from than just being this like marketing person that right guru. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's gotta be some struggle in there. I think. Yeah, totally. Share your Struggles. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, um, what, um, so I don't know if you want to talk more about COVID. My next question was like, what do you have coming up? What are some of the irons in the fire? And I know that I clearly have my hand on some of the same irons,
0: yeah um i mean i think that well trying to trying to like weather the storm with with flow spa and get things going again and see what happens with the fall and they're predicting another like covid spike so that's not going to that's not very exciting you know or (laughs) in the sense that it could just everything could go to hell again but um Hell in a handbag. Yeah. um, We're, you know, we're working more on, on sharing more stuff and collaborating with the sense of building up the mindset and building up the body and, and becoming more conscious in your decisions in a lot of ways, both physically and mentally and working on more things online you know, because Mm -hmm. then we can, we can reach people where they're at, especially if we do have to shelter at home again, or, you know, people, it's accessible online to learn at your own pace or practice some of the stuff that we like to do in person with training and with, you know, floating relaxation and, and learning how to take care of your body and recover. Like a lot of the Underlying principles of what we're after are things that, if you are dedicated enough or you're willing to make the change, that you can do a lot of good on your own too. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, working with you as a coach kind of is for specific time frames mm-hmm. where that you need it. Or coming into float becomes more of a treat because you've already got the mindset. You're not doing it as like a way to uh, like that last minute emergency before right. you burn out. It's like right. like I'm gonna go deeper today yeah. because I I have the ability to chill on my own. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, whatever format that it's gonna look like, you know the the other the other avenue that we're we're working on together is is some sort of workshop something that would be in person that or hopefully in person you know whatever time frame that's going to align with as things kind of open and close and shift over the next few months but we think that there's a lot that comes from the in person work where you know you've got like a group of like-minded people together And you're really paying attention closely to having like these, these lessons that are going to make a big shift for you. So that's something that, you know, we're working on and making good progress towards having ready to go soon, finding, finding like the right group of people to, Mm -hmm. to collaborate with so that it can be as awesome as possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, Part of what came to mind there is uh, just back to your um, kind of the personas you're talking about—the wizard, the adventurer. I thought of this workshop that we're about to do as kind of like we'll call it the Sherpas, because (laughs) like I've never hiked with Sherpas, but I I think I understand the premise behind you know what they do, but you know they're taking the brunt of the load. They're doing it with you but you can also learn a fuck ton from them yeah because it's kind of like that analogy i said before just because your hands are cold doesn't mean you have to say they are like they're they're struggling but they're in there with you doing it yeah and they've already done it before yeah so in a lot of ways this is just a sort of a
0: uh the guide on the journey yeah it's funny you mentioned that because uh like something that josh martin and i are doing you know yeah uh, he he asked me to be a part of just so that he wasn't like the only one the writing on, alone on it but he's called it word sherpa oh cool which is um Damn him it. his he's doing like ghostwriting for people that want to self-publish books or whatever oh cool so i'm i'm there as like another resource on the website um we'll see whatever like comes of that but um yeah that's his he's kind of hoping to create more of like the, like a publishing company, you know, if somebody needs blog posts and if they need, if they want to translate their work into a book mm. is, is what he's offering. And I'm excited to be a part of that too. Cause I do like, I do a lot of writing and if I can help in any way to, to, um, polish somebody's somebody's writing work too, Sweet. that's awesome.
1: So I think a lot of what we are working on, whether to be together or separate, is making things more accessible for more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether it's programs we're offering at house, whether it's the peak performance coaching that you're offering online, but through FlowSpot or this workshop that you and I are working towards, or this potential publishing, Word a company. Mm -hmm. Sweet, that's sick. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Flowcast. Take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or YouTube for the video version, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to connect the podcast to those who will find value in it. Hit the share button and send this episode to a friend or two. And a big thanks as always to Flow Spa for making it possible for us to keep making this podcast. Flow Spa is Peterborough's float therapy and sports recovery center dedicated to providing the ultimate relaxation experience. Whether you need physical relief from pain or a deep state of mental relaxation and calm or even the best sports recovery methods to help you recover from your training, Flow Spa is where you can find your flow.